the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Back. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Anyway, it's been a three-week absence, uh, so it's been a while, Uh, you know, Akron U football's been on, and uh, uh, the bruise of my ego uh, uh, pushed me off three weeks. But anyway, let's let's start positively. All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Walt Disney. However difficult life may seem, there's always something you can do and succeed at. Stephen Hawking. There's a guy that could uh, is proof put in the pudding. People begin to become successful. The minute they decide to, very important, it always seems impossible until it's done. Nothing is impossible. The word itself is I'm possible. There we go. All right. Uh, you know, it, it's been a while, so um, <laughs> I'll just mention that we do have some really good stuff available. But if you go to WHK's webpage to local podcasts down to the Smart Investor Show, it'll take you directly to my webpage. And uh, I, I would you know, look, there's some good stuff on there. If you look under Insight, there is uh, a, a whole bunch of new information from the last time I was on. Uh, it's it's a tab on the on the top, and then also in the main part, there's bulletin board, and there's a there's a daily newsletter, a weekly newsletter. I'm sorry. And then Rob Schleimer puts out a piece once a week, and uh, Rob's a really good technician. I highly recommend it. Um, so last time we I spoke was uh, the last Saturday in September, and I said, I think we're going to have a rally. That's a pretty good call because we're up about 10% from there. I mean, the, the Dow's up 13. Uh, the S&P's up about 9, so uh, eight and a half, nine. So we'll, we'll call it 10 just to, among friends. So. Um, we we have come a long way though, so let's uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few people, uh, what's going on. But I think in a nutshell, there are three big things you need to know. First of all, uh, we revisited. Oh, I'm going to stop right there. This is a live show. If you have a question, the number here is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. So the, the first, we revisited the international revenues exposure of major U.S. indices and sectors, and the data suggests to us that as long as the stronger dollar is a problem for U.S. companies, what you need to deal with is small caps that don't have much exposure and large caps who can handle and can hedge, okay? And I think that's very, very important. Second, with more than half of the S&P 500 results in, what we're seeing is a softening in the earnings per share related uh, stats, okay? So that we, we track, you know, they, they've, come, they've become significant, okay? So there's a lot of people missing out of the quarters. And, and 
in a lot of cases, the the uh, stock market's not being kind to them. Okay, so there we go. And then finally, sentiment on the growth trade and the new economy has been extremely pessimistic, and it may be worse than small caps and the old economy. So if you think growth is bad, you know the old economy and and small caps have been worse. And I think as long as the strong, stronger the U.S. dollar is a problem, uh, small caps and large caps are going to be probably the place to be. Now, look, we, uh, Tom Porcelli uh, said he, he gave Powell a, a ton of credit. He managed uh, the press conference really well the other day. And, um, you know, he, he said it was, Tom said it was entirely too early, too, too, too premature to start to talk about being dovish. And the problem is employment. And employment's usually a lagging indicator, but in this particular case, we're not seeing the big moves down because people have had two years of trying to get people to work. Uh, Powell had zero incentive to talk dovish at that point. And, um, you know, labor and inflation will be both be quite a bit weaker next year, but the moment Powell acknowledges it, Anything close to a dovish, you know, scenario, the backdrop is is the most financial and, and the, is the moment financial conditions meaningly ease this unwinding the hikes they put in place. And, and I think you can't do it right at the moment. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So, look, what's baked in? You know, look, we, we've, we've had a rally, a nice, nice rally. And and. Uh, the debate of recession, you know, is is an if is now when and how long. Okay, it's that simple. And and while corporate earnings have stayed relatively resilient, we think the forecast for the future imply weakening earnings results, and and we're seeing we're seeing more of it. Um, now, amid those forecasts, the question for markets going forward becomes: What is baked in? How much potential future turmoil? Has already been accounted for, and I look. I, I listened to a couple calls this week, um, and Dr. Kelly uh, from J.P. Morgan was on. And uh, look, the best time to buy stocks is when they're down. The best time to buy stocks is when you have a pit in your stomach, and it keeps turning. Now you may not like that. But that's the difference. You know, the average retail investor makes 4% on his money in the stock market. Because they buy and sell all the time, and they don't buy when things went down, okay? The professional makes about 25%. And, you know, and they're buying when they're down. And if you look, I mean, look uh, look at Paramount Communications, all right, uh, which is the combination of Viacom, CBS, and Paramount. They're getting killed. And yet... Warren Buffett bought a bunch of stock in the 20s. I mean, he's got like 13% of the stock. You got uh, Mario Gabelli bought in the low 20s, like 1570 now. Uh, you've got, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he was on CNBC just the other day. He was just talking about buying Paramount. Uh, you know, it's trading at three times earnings. up $7 a share in cash. They have a 5% dividend yield. Yet they keep going down. Hmm. Is it, is, you know, look, the key is, you know, we might, we're not in a recession right now. Now, we're, we're probably going to be, and, and I think you got to understand that. But um, how hurt can you get by falling out of a basement window? 
question I have. I mean, look, you know, the, the NASDAQ composite is down like 37%, okay? The average stock down 51%. How, you know, how many bones can you break by falling out of a basement window? And, you know, look, eventually we're looking at higher prices, and, and I, I think the markets quit going down. There's a gentleman by the name of Lamoureux, and if you don't know that name, I think you should. I mean, he's he's made some unbelievable calls in our time, and it's spelled L-A-M-O-U-R-E-U-X, and he's calling for a market bottom somewhere around here. Now, uh, you know, I mean, look, uh, here's the problem. I look at dynamic asset level investing from our friends at Dorsey Wright, and uh, you know, cash is the number one asset class now. Now that wasn't the case when I called the you know the bottom uh, uh, you know the at least the I said it was a short term bottom I didn't say it was the bottom and and now commodities are number two and domestic equities are number three and they fell about fifteen votes uh, in these last week you know because of uh, what what occurred after the Fed spoke international equities uh, I think you know you want to stay with Latin America if you're going to mess with anything but domestic equities it's still energy and it's energy, consumer, non-cyclicals, that's staples, financials, and industrials. Those are the only ones I pay attention to, and I do it just in that order, by the way. Energy, staples, financials, industrials. And uh, look, there's some energy stocks out there. I mean, there's one that Warren Buffett's been buying. It looks like you can buy the calls on it, you know? So I think you've got to pay attention to what's going on. And, and you know, I, I don't think you want to be just, you know, jumping off a cliff. Like I said, uh, the cliff is at a very low level at this point. <laughs> it's like falling. I got a couple of rocks in my, my front yard that I could jump off of, and I'm pretty sure that even if I fell down, I just have a scrape. Okay. So look, stocks are not doing what consensus expects. Consensus might be wrong, uh, not price. And the, the reason stocks continue to fall are pretty well known. All right. The Fed is going to keep pressure on the markets. Europe. Has probably entered a recession. China's zero lockdown continues, although there's been there was some rumors Friday that, that that's going to end. Earnings are slowing. Stock charts look like 2008, and any pundits say 2022 may be worse than 2008, might be. And the Russian Ukraine war could basically linger for a long, long time. Okay, that, that could be. Look, how long were they in Afghanistan? Right, a long time. So, look, if the Fed raised 75 basis points. That puts the current Fed funds rate within 150 basis points of peak rates. Uh, so you might see 50, 75 points in November, and you could be done with rate hikes by the year end. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a recession in 2023. And remember what we said, uh, I had several people email me and say, Tim, are you saying that you don't see anything happen in, in 2023? And the answer is, I think you're going to see a sawtooth-type market. We're going to be in a bottoming phase, okay? And I, by the way, I still think we're in this grand bull market, but I think you're going to go up and down, up and down, and the volatility is going to make everybody nuts. And, and by the time we take off of 2024, which is what I think was going to happen, we're all going to be bored. And nobody's going to want to talk about the stock market, okay? It's especially important when you have CDs that are yielding 5%. Two, three years out. Five percent you can get. You know, preferreds 
uh, I, I was just talking to some people, you know, preferreds. And, and, you know, the, the, I guess the question is, um, you know, do you go with, uh, you know, floating rate preferreds or preferreds, you know, and just lock in the yields. But I mean, I, I've got some, you know, our, our desk has some, a really big bank from America, uh, that's yielding 7.3%. If they get called, it's, it's current yield is 6.4. Uh, you know, so, you know, and it's a floating coupon. So there's some good stuff out there that, you know, and, and by the way, if you want to talk about that, give me a call. You know, uh, the numbers on, uh, you know, go to WHK's webpage and you go to Smart Investor Show and, and it goes to re- directly to the webpage. The other thing is our global best energy ideas. I mean, ConocoPhillips has gone nuts. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we had Matador on there and I think, uh, you know, Matador's, <laughs> it, it's gone from 12 to like 70. So uh, you want to stay away from it now, but. I think uh, there's a lot of really good ideas on that uh, on that list, and it's a place that I think will probably be as long as there's a Democrat in the White House will probably be a place to be. Okay, now look, um, I, I think you got to, you know, if if you just listen, Paul Powell was hawkish at the FMOC meeting, and uh, uh, he was very hawkish during the uh, question and answer phase and he's got to be okay because you know you the labor numbers have not started to come down yet and and so you know we got a problem here so it was interesting though the official fmoc statement made a dovish modification so powell just came back and said ah no 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 now but what's going to go down the record books by the way is the official publication not powell's a press conference. So it's getting interesting. And, um, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting that it passed the FMOC meeting, stocks were down, yields were up, and then stocks turned around. And then we had that same problem. So uh, it, it, it was an interesting uh, period of time. Now, look, the problem here is, is I think the Fed doesn't know where it's going, <laughs> but it believes it has to get there. And you know, as global central banks approach the end game uh, phase of the aggressive 2022 policy tightening campaigns, they may have taken the first steps in signaling a more cautious approach to the rate hikes. Uh, the Fed now stands alone. Okay, uh, so uh, look, the, the Bank of England they raised their rates by 75 basis points, and I think you're going to see a lot of that because we were too loose for too long. Right. Uh, you know, Bernanke's, you know, throwing money from helicopters was good during the financial crisis, but they stayed around too long. And then the pandemic hit. And, and I think, you know, you had, a, a, you know, a problem there. So, look, global central bank tightening has brought bond yields back to 20 year highs, 20 year highs. All right. So the kids out there, I mean, look, when I bought my first house, my first mortgage was like 13, 14 percent. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven when I got nine. Okay, we're we're back up to seven and a half percent for mortgages. Kids are going to realize that hey, interest rates don't always go down, you know. And by the way, back in May we said that interest rates on this show we said interest rates have broken a forty-year downtrend line. They ain't going back. And I I would I would suggest that no matter what the Fed does, it's going to take a while. 
All right, that's number one. The dollar has broken a 36-year downtrend, and it ain't going back. It's going to take a while. Commodities broke a 15-year downtrend, and they ain't going back. It's going to take a while. So, now, not all commodities. I think it's going to be oil and gas and agricultural, because that's what's happening over in Ukraine. Ukraine is, you know, is the breadbasket, the wheat basket of Eastern Europe. It's also a place where they... The ports take out a lot of oil from Russia. Russia's not pumping oil, at least to us. It's, it's, they're pumping it to the Chinese. And as long as the you know the Biden administration has blinders on, I noticed he talked about more drilling uh, uh, that last week. <laughs> about time, uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I think going forward, though, uh, U.S. stocks had a tough week. You know, they they surrendered all the gains that they had from the week before. And the, the, the difference is, I believe, is that what we're seeing is that the earnings numbers are starting to come down and they're coming down fast. And when they come down fast like that, you got a problem. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, if you've got a question, like I said, it's a live show, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. There are many issues in this election, but Tim Ryan only wants to talk about one, his support for killing unborn babies by abortion. Sadly, Tim Ryan wants to deny the most basic right to life to unborn babies. Tim Ryan even voted for a federal law that allows unlimited abortion, essentially until birth, and he voted to pay for it with your tax dollars. Tim Ryan should never be in the U.S. Senate. J.D. Vance respects life. He supports measures to protect unborn babies and their mothers. J.D. Vance supports protecting unborn babies from painful late abortions, and J.D. Vance opposes using your tax dollars to pay for abortion. J.D. Vance will fight to protect life. Unborn babies can't vote, but you can. Please vote for life. Vote for J.D. Vance for U.S. Senate. Paid for by the National Right to Life Victory Fund at nrlvictoryfund.org. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. NRL Victory Fund is responsible for the content of this advertising. Charlie Kirk celebrates a small victory. Have you noticed how we're not talking about race this midterm election? Have you noticed that we're not talking about BLM or systemic racism? It is a losing issue for the Democrats. Now, they replaced it with fascists, but this is actually a little bit, dare I say, a chance for us to celebrate just a little bit of a victory, just a little bit. The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. A little Motown there. <laughs> you know, I, I've been uh, emphasizing our wealth plan, and uh, I'm going to emphasize this more because... In periods of volatility, it's always good to know 
that you've got a plan. You know, Alice said to the Cheshire cat, she walked up to a fork in the road, the Cheshire cat was in the tree. She said, well, which road should I take? And he said, well, where are you trying to go? And she said, I'm not sure. And he said, then either road will take you there. So if you remember, if you're listening to the show, you don't have to be a client of RBC to do a wealth plan with us. Okay. Obviously, we'd love to have you on board, but you can do a wealth plan and see what we bring to the table without becoming a client. All right. So I, I emphasize that because what I found is, is that people have no plans. They think they do, but they don't. And they don't know if they're going to make it or not make it. And the one thing I'll say is once you get a wealth plan, you go into playground and you say, if we have another 2008 and my allocation is where it is, will I make it? Okay. And I'll tell you yes or no are the probabilities. Probabilities are important because the higher the probability, the better chance you have. Now, remember, back in 2007 on this show, I said that starting December 1st, I said cash would outperform the stock market. And I said it for nine straight months. We had a lot of cash that back then in my uh, in my clients' accounts. So we'll just leave it at that. Now, I also, uh, you know, uh, I had two other questions about, you know, I said, tw- you know, the four-year cycle. We talked about our four-year cycle. And uh, the four-year cycle says we're not going to start a new bull market until 2024. And that's probably correct. Um, and a lot of people have questioned me on that. And I said, hey, sorry, that's, you know, I got to tell, tell it like it is. All right. And so I think what we're going to do is have this choppy market. Uh, and, and there'll be things that are, that'll work. I mean, right now, financials are working. Right now, energy stocks are working. When I told you to buy energy stocks, it was a year and a half ago. Nobody wanted it. Okay. When I told you to buy healthcare, that was this summer, this spring, nobody wanted them. Amgen's up 20% since then. Okay. Any questions? Uh, Johnson Johnson, by the way, didn't go down during this whole scenario. Uh, And I've got some other names if you'd like to. But look, the other question I've had is, um, Tim, the U.S. is now the world's largest debtor. Now, we've got interest rates going up and trillions in government debt that's left investors a little bit nervous. Okay. Now, look, if you take a practical look at the implications of U.S. rates and debt, interest rates have jumped due to the Federal Reserve's monetary policy tightening, obviously, with the government cost of borrowing money for five years increasing nearly 3% since the start of the year. You know, a lot of people, uh, people seem to indicate the potential brewing for the U.S. You know, Janet Yellen even said it the other day, and the and the. The law, the low policy rates made the U.S. government debt burden manageable, and surely the converse, rising interest rates, is the problem. Uh, but, however, if you look and you see the little reason for investor concern at this stage, and we know not see raising rates as likely to impose a meaningful constraint, all right, uh, on investor appetite for U.S. debt. However, I, you know, the current impact is limited, all right. So, uh, if it if it, if it stays this way for a while and they continue to spend like they are, uh, you know, things could get interesting. I think one of the reasons the stock market is rallying is because people are talking about the Republicans gaining a lot of seats in the House and the Senate. And that would be uh, that would just shut Biden down and, and his crazy uh, programs. Uh, I mean, they spent like six. 
I've heard six trillion to six point eight trillion in two years. Um, you know, that's a forty percent increase in M two, which is the money supply. And you define inflation by too much money chasing too few goods. And if you have a supply problem and you got a lot of money, what are you gonna do? I'll pay that. The rich people don't care. They hey, I'll pay that, right? Okay. You know, look, I may be in that category. You know, you may be in that category. It's okay. Um, it's the poor people that really see the price go up. Uh, it, they, they, I don't know. I, I, I disagree, as you can tell. I'm a Republican, so I lean to the right, and uh, I disagree with what's been going on. But look, I, I saw the S&P stall right at resistance this week. Uh, I said in September, I think we could have a big move. We had a big move. All right, so uh, I do. I think if Mr. Uh, uh is correct, and he's been very, very correct, he thinks we're at a bottom. Okay, I hope he's right. I will not pound the table until we break the downtrend line, which is I think on the S and P five hundred is around forty one seventy nine, somewhere around there. Um, we did break above the two hundred week moving average, which was positive, and we made a big move from. Oh, we stopped there and made a big move up, so that's a big positive. The NASDAQ and Russell, uh, short-term rebounds are back at resistance, and they're pausing, too. Um, the Russell has made a big move since, uh, you know, Lori Kawasina said back in, uh, I think it was August, uh, or was it, I guess it was August or September, she thought small caps would be better than large caps. And they're up about 14% versus large caps only being up about uh, 8 9%. Now, there's a couple things that I think are really interesting. If you look at the 52-week lows and highs, now I mentioned this, um, gosh, I, I think it was two years ago, uh, in, in, the, in the summer of 2021, uh, I started to talk about uh, the number of new lows was expanding, and then it really took off in October. And we peaked out in June, and then we peaked out again in September, and if you look, this last week, we didn't make very many new lows. I thought that was really interesting. The other thing I'm seeing is a number of New York Stock Exchange now. I'm looking at the New York Stock Exchange Index. 52 weeks highs is starting to turn. And it's really close to its downtrend line. So, you know, um, you know, it, it, look, if the 52-week lows start to pick up again, uh, the market internals are deteriorating. So we got to watch that very carefully. But... The other thing I noticed, and you know, Rob Schleimer put out a couple charts on the ten-year, the two-year, and the and the U.S. dollar, and they all had an uptrend. And I'm talking about the yields now, and they are all an uptrend, and then they they backed off, and now they've broken up above that uptrend line again. So uh, usually, when you break down, you got a problem, uh, but when they bounce back up, that's that's the way it is, I guess. You know, just market reaction. And the dollar did the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see um, if they can hold that. Uh, and then the final thing, the biotech indices continue to show signs of improving. Now, remember, back in the spring, I talked about healthcare. And I said the cheapest stuff is biotech. And, and that's for sure. So uh, I, I think it's one of those things where you have to be paying very close attention to certain sectors. Okay? And we'll leave it at that. Uh, look. The equity markets have rallied from that key support I talked about uh, back in the last week of September. And, uh, you know, 
it, it was a rising four year and 200 week moving average. Just it, it's the same place where the June lows were. And short term, the S and P is beginning to move back into overbought territory. So, uh, it you know could attest a 50% retracement of the October to November move. I don't know. We'll find out. You know, uh, next month we could have another higher rate. Um, and I, you know, I mean, the Fed's bound to determine. Uh, they don't want to, he doesn't want to look like a schmuck. He doesn't want to look like Arthur Burns. Uh, so Powell's really putting it on. I, I, I think he, he started out as Arthur Burns and now he wants to be Paul Volcker. So it's, uh, it's interesting. But the dollar is kind of parabolic. So I think the dollar needs a rest. We'll see if that happens. And oil continues to show evidence of of a bottoming. You know, we we, uh, we broke, and then we I back. You know, when we hit Ukraine, hit I said the probability of this being a peak in oil prices was right, and it was. And uh, um, I, I always look back on the good stuff. I, I'll talk about the bad stuff occasionally too. Natural gas retraced sixty two percent of the rally, and oil, uh, you know, pulled back about thirty nine percent. So. Um, but they're at pretty important uh, support areas. And just remember that gold has broken important support. So for all you guys that are, that are in gold, you got to be careful right here. I wouldn't buy it right now, personally. Uh, the, the dollar needs to give it up a little bit before I get an interest in gold. Growth versus value, uh, the downtrend remains. Large cap growth, notably, uh, especially the big the FANG names are starting to get hit pretty hard. Uh, and I would say high beta, which is really the industrials, you know, they broke out and they pulled back right to a, a really good spot. So uh, that might be interesting. But until we break the downtrend line, folks, uh, I, I don't see anything. And uh, the weekly index is still, uh, we're still looking at an oversold scenario. So, uh, but we, we don't really have evidence of a bottom yet, although some people are calling that. I, you know, they're talking about being sold out. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, beyond that, uh, I'll just say one more thing. The 250-day moving averages, there's still a lot of stocks below the 200. There's less stocks below the 50. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back with the bullish percent. This is Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Plumbing for Women. The title of that course would probably ruffle feathers today, and understandably so. But back when I taught it, everyone loved it, especially the students. Those women really wanted to know how plumbing worked, and they felt empowered by being able to work on their own plumbing. In the final exam, students made a modern art-looking sculpture from copper pipe and fittings. Each joint had to be properly soldered. Then we'd hook that sculpture up to a garden hose, and we'd pressure test it for leaks. It always worked perfectly. I still have some of those sculptures hanging around my office and home. I've always loved plumbing, and it's one of the great joys of my life to spread that passion to others, including our employees at Wyatt Works. Because I believe you deserve a plumber who loves his work and treats it like a calling, not just a job. Not only will he do better work, but you're going to be a whole lot happier having him in your home. And, quite frankly, that's the secret behind the Wallach-a-Doodle experience. Consider it done at WyattWorks.com. License number 30185. All of us come from somewhere. 
All of us have origin stories. From executive producer Larry Elder. Divine Providence was clearly operating in the lives of black Americans. And director Justin Malone. When I was growing up, we were never taught that America was bad. We were raised to love America. Comes the continuation of their 2020 hit film, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom Part 2, An American Odyssey. Available on Salem Now. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and I uh, hope you're having a great day. I'm looking at all the leaves out. and uh, Leaf is a four-letter word in my neighborhood. I don't know about yours, but, you know, look, um, one of the things, and, you know, the reason I brought up leaves and seasonality is that the fourth quarter still remains the three strongest months seasonally. All right? Remember, go away in May and come back after Old Souls Day. Which we just had obviously last weekend. So November, December, and then January are pretty good. April's also a good month, by the way. Uh, so don't don't get terribly bearish. Uh, like I said, how badly can you hurt yourself by jumping out the seller window? All right. One of the things I talked about was the high beta index versus the S and P low volatility index, and it made this huge bottom. Uh, like rounded bottom, and it broke out from uh, resistance, and now it's pulled back. And I think you got to pay attention to that pattern because, uh, you know, we've made a higher low now, and things could get very, very interesting. So uh, now I, I I have all sorts of people asking me about crypto, and just so you know, I, I don't mess with crypto too much, but um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, look. The money market ranks in the top five model universes that we look at right now. Uh, the money market is number one. All right. So uh, dynamic asset level investing. So we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, but if we look at the bullish percent, which has been our guide. Okay. Last time we spoke, the bullish percent was at 25. And I said, it's probably a pretty, you know, we don't get below 10 very often. And we got to 18 and we bounced up. And I, you know, that's, with the negativity in the market, I thought that was a good time to buy. All right. And uh, some people were already invested. So, you know, whatever you do. But um, and some people I, I bought in August, eh, which I wish I would have done. Now I'm back to back to even. But, uh, you know, it, it looked like we were making a bottom. But in the meantime, uh, the bullish percent since we last talked is up 11 percent to 48 percent. Um. The the actual you know there's a difference between the bullish percent and and the uh, you know where well there's there's all sorts of extra things that you need to know but the bullish percent at 48 so it was up 11 since we last talked uh, uh, actually it's it's up like 20 since we last talked and the and the over the counter index which was at 18 is now at 30 so that's you know that these are still not bad places to buy assuming that we hold. So I think we're just going to see 
you know, the effect of, you know, what people are thinking about as far as the Fed is concerned, okay, how, how it affects us, you know, that type of thing. The world index went positive, too, and last time we spoke, it was 22, now 36. It's a pretty big jump, and it's in a column of X's. So what we have is all the major indices in X's, except for the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is still uh, still in the column of O's. It's a 29. Uh, It will turn pretty quickly, like a half a point. Uh, but we're having some problems with things like Microsoft, Apple, uh, Meta, uh, all those Amazon, Google, all those names that people have been in for a long, long time. So they seem to be dumping those. Now, dynamic asset level investing. Cash has the number one vote, 252. Currencies are the lowest form of life here. So remember, what happened back in 2007 was cash was the number one asset class. Domestic equities were the lowest form of life. And I said that you know that cash would outperform domestic equities. Something tells me there's been a couple near blowups, and and I mean the British pound. I'm I'm heading to Scotland in a couple of weeks, and uh, you know it's it's a cheap vacation because the British pound is down 22 percent in about two months. All right, so the yen is down, the yuan they're they're supporting these things now. All right, so my interpretation is. Cash is much better place than currencies, and that there'll be a currency blow up if, and that'll be the bottom. Okay, the dollar has, has gone parabolic, and commodities, which is interesting, have gained a bunch of votes. And uh, you know, normally they go down when the dollar goes up, but it's agricultural and oil, which just happens to coincide with what Ukraine is all about. Okay, you know, Russian oil and Ukraine being the breadbasket. Or the wheat basket of the the, the uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, then finally, fixed income, international equities, and currencies. If I was in international equities, Latin America is the only place I'd be, and I don't know if I'd be in there yet. Um, now, I did listen to, to uh, Dr. Kelly from J.P. Morgan, and I one thing I will say is that you know he said the cheapest stocks are international, and he said, uh, but people think he's crazy. <laughs> when he talks about it, and you know, he, you know, we work on a relative strength basis. What I want to see is their relative strength break the downtrend line versus the S and P five hundred. Then I'll get interested. But uh, you know, um, if you look under the hood of the dynamic asset level investing, commodities was notably responsible for the signal loss. Okay, uh, so you got to pay attention there. Um, you know, commodities got beat up. You know, coffee got really beat up. Uh, cotton, I think, completed its fifth uh, breakdown. So those are two big commodities. Now, the, the, the oil has turned, and, and so hasn't uh, even natural gas. I mean, some of the natural gas ETFs look pretty good right now. So just pay attention there. Uh, the agricultural area also looks pretty good, not great. The fertilizer companies are getting whacked, which I wouldn't, you wouldn't suspect if agriculture was an important area. So just be careful on that thing. But energy is, you know, if I look at dynamic asset level investing, and this is just relative strength investing. Relative strength means I want to be in the best stock in the best area. And that's energy and consumer non-cyclical, i.e. staples, financials, utilities, and industrials. Those are the only groups that are favored. Healthcare is up 26 votes in 
since May, improving drastically. So industrials are improving, healthcare is improving, consumer discretionary is still just haven't had we haven't had a breakout. Although I've seen some real interesting charts in that area, I haven't been you know jumping at them. Let's put it that way. Now, international markets have seen some near-term relative strength improvement over the past month. Uh, if you look at the broader dot dynamic asset level investment you know, type stuff. But what I think you have to do is take a look at just a couple of areas like Latin America. Uh, there's a couple ETFs there that have broken their downtrend line. Now, they did that back in June and only to go lower. <laughs> so be careful. Uh, the other thing is we have a, definitely have an inverted yield curve now. The 10 years at 4.15 and the two year is at 4.58. I'm sorry, 4.68. So that's an inverted curve no matter how you look at it. Uh, you know, and I think that usually indicates uh, a very big slowing of the, of the economy. And uh, all but one has turned into a recession. So we got to look at that. But the, you know, it's interesting. The dollar has pulled back. Like I said, you know, we, it had an uptrend line. And this is short term now. And it pulled back and broke that uptrend line. And with that, crude oil, gold, uh, copper, and, and corn have, have had positive moves. Uh, you know, cop, uh, uh, crude oil has been positive for five weeks. Um, same with copper. Um, It'll be interesting if China comes back to see what happens with copper. So if you look at the October performance, heating oil is up 14%. Crude oil is up 8%. Uh, Year-to-date, by the way, heating oil is up like 55%. O- uh, crude oil is up 17 Orange juice is up 45 Gasoline is up 17 and, and by the way, that was after a 27% move uh, last year. And corn's up 8 uh, but just since the bottom, you know, since I talked on uh, on September 30th, we're looking at a 14% move in heating oil, uh, 8% move in, in oil. That's what we talked about then. Uh, and orange juice is up and, and gasoline's up another 7% and so is in cattle. So, you know, that's a lot what you buy. You know? I mean, just think about how much beef you buy and how much orange juice you buy and how much gas and what your heating bill is going to be. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think if we look at the risk reward ratios among the commodity ETFs, um, it, you know, it, it's still the risk reward, you know, we, we, we call it the Doppler effect, whatever. Uh, there's a couple of names like, you know, soybeans and, and cow in the agricultural area that might be interesting. And then I've seen some, some divergences um, between broad energy. And gasoline and oil, uh, and positive, by the way. So those are some things that you have to think about uh, going forward. Now, um, but a couple things. Um, high beta versus low volatility. Big rounding bottom, which means, you know, we're probably going to see, you know, the, the value stocks are still cheap. See what happens there. I want to emphasize this. I said since May on. The 10-year yield has broken a 40-year downtrend. It ain't going back, okay? Uh, it, so, I mean, you'd be lucky if it sees 2.5% again. I think the inflation 
things out of the bag for a while. The ten-year yield. Now, one thing I will say is it it went straight up. So I, I think it finished the week at four four two. We'll call it uh, the. RSI momentum weekly is pretty overbought, so we'll see what happens. Um, and and the dollar indexes almost go parabolic uh, versus everything else. So I know, look, this is the type of stuff that you need a wealth plan for. And like I said, you don't have to be a client now. Okay, you can call in, get the wealth player questionnaire. We'll put you in the books, and then uh, you know, if you'd like to become a client, then be great. I'm not going to harass you. I'm not like that. Um, but, you know, this dollar, like I said, has been parabolic. So if it, if it breaks the second uptrend line, I think you got to be careful. Uh, like I said, the euro is really getting pounded. Uh, the British pound is just getting wiped out. I think the British pound was at to like 140, and now it's it's less than one. So you actually, a dollar is more expensive than a, a pound, which we haven't seen that in a long, long time. Um, crude oil. It's becoming a really interesting chart. It's very overbought on a weekly basis, made a higher low. Uh, and, you know, we've broken the downtrend line. So, you know, pay attention to the oil stocks. They might, things might be getting really interesting. Now, natural gas was not, you know, we've lot of natural gas. It broke its uptrend line. So that was, that's interesting. Uh, maybe supply actually, actually came in, you know, and, and you know, supply demand equation came in without Washington getting involved. So uh, Copper Futures broke their support. Uh, there's a lot of support where it is right now. It'd be interesting to see if it holds. Gold broke, so I pay attention there. Um, you know, somebody asked me, what would you be doing right now? Well, there's, so yeah, several groups that I like. I like financials. I like staples. Uh, I also like materials. They've been picking up, and I like healthcare. And uh, we'll talk more. Let's take a break, though. The number here is 216-901-0945 if you have a question. We'll be right back. All of us come from somewhere. All of us have origin stories. From executive producer Larry Elder. Divine Providence was clearly operating in the lives of black Americans. And director Justin Malone. When I was growing up, we were never taught that America was bad. We were raised to love America. Comes the continuation of their 2020 hit film, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom Part 2, an American odyssey. Available on Salem Now. Hugh Hewitt sees a confident Biden. I have more substantive experience on the issues facing the country, both in foreign policy and domestic policy, than any president ever. Robert Gates. He's been wrong on everything for 40 years. He's still been wrong. Remember that substantive experience in Afghanistan? Remember that substantive experience in not arming Ukraine before Putin advanced? The Hugh Hewitt Show. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob Fratz at 9 on AM 1420. The answer and Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. 
break. We're back. Uh, you know, we always talk about insiders on this show. So what we've done is we start out with strategy. We've moved down to, you know, here's what we think's going on. We've moved down to different groups. So we're, we're, we're funneling this down for ideas. And, uh, you know, insiders tend to know their business better than you and I do. Simple as that. Uh, and if they're buying big, you know, I'm not looking for a guy buying a thousand shares. I'm looking at a guy for buying a million bucks, two million bucks, you know, that type of thing or multiple buys. And, uh, you know, they're usually early. They're right more than analysts. So if you can get the analysts saying yes, the insiders getting yes, and the chart saying yes, that's how you make money. That's what I do, okay? Uh, besides wealth plans and all that other good stuff that we do, obviously. Uh, and we, we also, uh, by the way, I, I haven't said this in, in, a, in a month because I haven't been on, but two-year and three-year CDs are back in fashion, okay? Asset allocation should be reconsidered. Now, I've said it's been a losing proposition for a while. And, you know, uh, basically, the only reason it wasn't is because the Fed changed the interest rate picture completely in the pandemic. But if, if you're in bonds this year, you're down 20%. Okay. And that's in U.S. Treasuries. In high yields, you're down 32, 33%. Okay. So you're getting whacked. Uh, so, but now, you know, yields are up. All right. You buy yield when it's up. So asset allocation is now becoming more important. And I'll just leave it at that. All right. Insider buys. We had uh, a director at Charter Communications. He, he bought 27,000 shares. And that's a, you know, that's a $340 stock, by the way, down from 500. And he bought $10 million worth. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And we had lots of buyers of Intel spun off Mobileye, which is a way to uh, run a car without any help. Uh, and we had the CEO, uh, Sasio, by, uh, he, he bought $10 million worth. And then we had Pat G- uh, Geisinger, who's the, the director in, and also the director of Intel. He bought $2.5 million. We had another director uh, buy $1.4. We had another director buy a million. Uh, we had another director buy 861000 And uh, Frank Erie, who's a really interesting guy, bought half a million dollars worth. Uh, so we had quite a few people uh, buy in Mobileye. And then uh, Nuvalent, which is a name I mentioned to quite a few of my more aggressive clients. Uh, and uh, this was interesting because the, the gentleman, uh, Andrew Hack, who's a director, who, by the way, is a smart guy, he bought the stock after a gap from 20 to 33.50. Okay. Uh, and he bought four $5 million worth. Uh, they have a really interesting cancer product. I mean, it's, it's shown. Uh, I actually, uh, my sister-in-law has a friend who's who's used it and it's uh, been very successful so far. So keep your fingers crossed. And then we have uh, Tasha Gene Therapy. Uh, we had a director, Paul Manning, who's a great guy. Uh, he bought 1.5 million dollars of it at two, or uh, 1.5 million shares at two. Uh, and the stock is down uh, from like five or six bucks. And uh, so he bought quite a bit. And then uh, we, we had, um, and this is interesting, uh, Plan A, which is another biotech, which was another $6 stock, is now a dollar. We had Dave Matlin and a few other people uh, buy this. Um, and they, they all bought about a million dollars worth. I think Dave Matlin bought three. 
Um, and then a couple of people bought 800,000, but a lot of people buying it and buying good quantities of it. So some of these biotechs are down and they have really good science and they've had no bid for two years now. So it's, it's kind of a tough place to be, but, and then uh, Align Technology, which was one I recommended on the show at nine and it went to 300. Okay. It was an insider buy. And uh, by the way, that's when I was allowed to recommend stocks. I bought a bunch of this and, and I uh, sold it and did well on it. Joe Hogan is the CEO. He bought $2 million worth. It's pulled back uh, all the way to uh, 180, something like that. But healthcare stocks have been out of favor for a while now. That's why I'm, it's interesting that they're gaining relative strength. And here we have uh, Herb Allen, who's a director at Coca-Cola. And he bought uh, $2 million worth of stock. Coca-Cola, huh? Interesting. And then we have Biohaven, which, you know, uh, was a new issue back in September. Uh, and those last, last big bio I think I talked about. Uh, we had uh, Vladi Korsik, who's the chief executive officer, buy 100,000 shares uh, at 14, and that's $1.4 million. Uh, and then we, uh, Allegian, which is, is in security protection. We had John Stone's president and CEO buy $1.4 million. Um, and then a couple more. Uh, Barnes Specialty, which is, they're into machines. We had Tom Hook, who's the CEO, buy a million dollars worth. And then uh, Randy Ernst continues to buy American Asset Trust. He, he bought another, uh, he bought it four times, so uh, at half a million bucks, that's two million bucks. And then our good friend, Jay Farner, who's the CEO of Rocket Mortgage, uh, he continues to buy. He, he bought five, uh, $200,000 worth of stock five times, uh, so he, he continues to uh he continues to buy. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. And um, so, where will we go from here? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, one of the things that I've been looking at um, is, and I think this is going to continue for a while, is, is that people are getting more and more uh, bearish every time there's a pullback. And, you know, when you see the Fed go hog wild, uh, you know, they went hog wild on the downside. They went hog wild on the up upside. You got to wonder. Uh, but I, I look, I, I, I still see it's important that we alleviate some of the divergences uh, before heading higher to the end of the year. And 2022 could turn out very much like 1962, if you want to take a look at the charts, making uh, pullbacks viable into the mid-November area. And I, I think if you look, small caps have broken out versus large caps. We've been talking about that for two and a half months now. So, uh, you know, that's another thing that you should be thinking about. And, and I think it, it's going to continue. The relative strength of small caps has broken the downtrend line, which is, uh, eh, we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, we could have a bottom coming in here because uh, we, we've priced into the market a lot of bad things, okay? And, I mean, look, the average NASDAQ stock, and there's 3,655 NASDAQ stock, is down over 50%. Over 50%. That's huge. I mean, that's absolutely huge. So it's something that you've got to think about. You know, you, you know uh, NASDAQ stocks obviously are out of favor, okay? The new economy is still the new economy, all right? And I think financials and tech lie near some pretty key make-or-break levels, all right? And I think that's something you've got to pay very close attention to. 
and and uh, make sure that you know you're following. You know, tech. I'm a little worried about. I, I you know I bought some Google and I bought some Amazon and uh, you know maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, but you know, look, uh, the Sox index hit some extreme support. I think it's very important. Uh, sentiment has actually grown more bearish lately, which is worth watching. Um, crude oil looks to be nearing. Um, I can't tell if it's, you know, we're getting ready to break out or break down. Uh, we should be able to find that out, you know, sometime in the near future. But it, it does look like it's going to pull back a little bit. All right. So keep that in mind. So what would I be doing? Okay, look, I'm going to say this again. Asset allocation is back in phase. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you know, you don't know how to asset allocate. I think it's some time to, to put some money away. The two-year yields are at 5%. For CDs, uh, you know, some smart people are putting ten grand into government bonds. That's all you can put in, unfortunately. Uh, so I need a little bit bigger, bigger amounts. But uh, look, I, I, I think you know we've got a pullback coming in, and if it holds here, things could get interesting. If the ten-year yield whipsaws back down because people are starting to see rates close to peaking. You know, remember, it broke the uptrend line, just, you know, jumped above it on Friday. And now if it breaks back down, that would be, you know, a uh, very positive sign uh, for the stock market, I think. It'd be a very negative sign for the economy. So we have this roller coaster ride. But look, right now, like I, like I said, how much damage can you do to yourself jumping out of the basement window? Okay. Right now, I think you want to be buying yield while it's up. Buy some of the great dividend aristocrats. There's some that are down. Okay, I know of one healthcare stock that had a baby formula problem that's down forty bucks. I bought a bunch of it Friday. All right, so look at the dividend and you know growth portfolio in the prime income list. So go to WHK fourteen twenty. Go to local podcast out of the Smart Investor Show. It'll take you right to my webpage. You just just contact me or email me. Let's do a wealth plan together. Let's sit down and do a wealth plan together. Remember, you don't have to be a client to do that. We hope you become a client, but we'll take it from there. In the meantime, buy yield while it's up. Have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.